Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Welcome back to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, aka HD underscore Star, joined as always by the now mustachioed Ben Ross, aka Renboss23 on the Bird app. Ben, my friend, how you doing? Are we I know it's pr- like spelled and it should be pronounced mustachio, but are we sure that's how you spell it? Should it maybe it's just like a silent O, it's just mustached mustached? Maybe it depends on, like, just how good or evil the person is. Maybe an evil person would be mustachioed. So I think I probably mispronounced it because I would not consider you evil by any stretch of the imagination. So mustached is probably the right way to frame it. Because, like, I Mario and Luigi, in my opinion, are mustached, right? But while mm. Luigi... Wario, they are mustachioed, right? Is, is it just that simple? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I have Mario on the mind because there's this rare intersection that's approaching Ben, which is you being a golf guy and me being kind of a video game guy. And Mario Golf Super Rush is coming out on Friday. And I have to tell you, I've not been excited for a game like this since... Animal Crossing, maybe, and I got burnt out on that fast. But um, I'm excited for Mario Golf. I'm. I mean, I I saw the. I mean, I was a big Mario Golf guy. I had GameCube and all that. Um, I, I watched the previews. It didn't really excite me. Like when the trailer dropped and all that. That was a while ago. Maybe you can tell them. I mean, I, I've got Switch, and I've been looking for a game, even though the weather is getting pretty grayed out. But so it goes. Uh, you can you can tell me the reviews on that. I shall. I shall. So, um, big week in Harrison pop culture between that and did you pre are you getting it Friday? Like you're uh like you're playing it Friday night. Is that your weekend plans or? Um. So are you that my devoted plans? I Christina said she would give it to me as Father's Day gift. So we've done two IOUs for Mother's Day and Father's Day. I still haven't gotten her. The towels that I promised I would get mm. her and Mario Golf is going to be the the thing for, for me. Um, but I will be a physical copy guy versus like the download because I have my handheld switch and then we also have the regular switch and you can't play the handheld switch on the TV. It's like a single, it's like a version of like a Game Boy or whatever. So having the physical copy will allow it to to go between the two without having to get really wonky with the setup online. So um, there's that. And then, but my weekend plans also include a lunch matinee of Fast 9, a movie that will be the first I've seen in theaters since I think, I, I think it's Onward. Did Onward come out? Uh last february i think that was the last know. movie i saw in theaters but fascinating i've been having an itch to see a quiet place too and cruella but uh and those are yeah. both playing a th- small theater near me but weather's just been honestly too nice for me to um get my drag myself out there quite yet yeah I, i'm i'm excited i'm excited to get back into it <laughs> vaxxed and and ready to to hit the town so um, normally we don't look ahead. So that was, that was kind of fun. Um, looking back though, Ben, you were in Iowa for a wedding and I just kind of want to get the lowdown, get the deets. How, how was it being in a state that we cover the team of? It, it's been a minute since either of us were kind of there doing, doing fun stuff at least. Yeah. It's my first time in Iowa since 2017, I think. And even though it's Des Moines and not Iowa City, I, I lived in Des Moines for uh, one summer. I had an internship 
uh, going into senior year of college. So I, I was familiar with the town. It was good. Nice wedding. Good time. Stayed in a nice hotel. Got in pretty early. Had lunch at Fawn's. Um, then I went to El Bates shop. Saw an old college roommate for like two or three hours. Then did the wedding things Friday night and Saturday. And had a very early flight Sunday morning. That was delayed for no good reason. Um, that was that. <laughs> really. Uh it's a great time. I recommend it. I was like 9%. My blood was like 9% local IPA yep. <laughs> by <laughs> my Sunday morning. Um, tried to order a beer at the airport. But we don't serve alcohol to nine. So that's some BS. <laughs> um, yeah, my hot take about airports, there should never be a time you don't sell alcohol. If you are open, you are serving alcohol. It's just that time doesn't exist in an airport as far as I'm concerned. The craziest, like, airport drinking experience was, like, at, uh, we, the Austin airport. So maybe you had this happen to you where we yeah, early flight and, like, the places that are serving food or serving breakfast do not can't serve alcohol. But you can go to, like, a kiosk, like a standalone thing and buy a beer. But you can't, like, bring that beer into where you're eating it. So you have to take your food to go, get the beer to go from a second vendor, and then you just plop down wherever and eat. I think maybe like they just sold us the beer without knowing any better, or like it was so early they just run it up and ran it up and didn't want to fucking deal with it. Cause the airport was like it was like it was real early, but still that was a crazy airport hack and inconvenience. I, I I do know the Texas laws, and this is why it kind of blows my mind that you wouldn't be allowed to order from the food place because a lot of Texas drinking laws, at least Sunday are based around whether you have food at the table or not. So hmm. like if, if you go to a restaurant for brunch, but it's maybe before 11. So if it's more of a breakfast situation on Sundays, maybe specifically, they'll just bring you chips or whatever. So that there's food at the hmm. table so that they can then sell you alcohol because nice. that's just, that that's the hack there. Um, what was your favorite local beer, or did you just kind of kind of lean into one and, and drink oh, that? Oh, I should I should know this. There were Easy Eddie um, was yeah. okay. That's an Iowa City. That's a new Iowa City beer or brewery. At least I haven't really heard of it. Right? It wasn't oh, Big, Big Grove, Grove, was it? Oh, maybe. No, not. I was thinking of a different one then. Uh, uh, then there was something from I think Barn Town that was really nice. Neon something. It was really good. And then I had King Sue from the tap. And that was quite the, I don't think I've ever done that before. That was quite the experience. Um, uh, yeah, a uh, lot of Modelo, a lot of uh, McGolden. The groom brought down his favorite beer is this beer in, from Duluth, Minnesota called Castle Danger Cream Ale. And he brought down like six cases of that for the wedding. So that's, that's what we were drinking at the wedding. Um, yeah. That was nice. Uh, it was a good time. Oh, man. I, I try to think, like, am I excited for the next wedding I have uh, to go to or will go to, and that's in October. I think I am, but it's it's going to be a chilling experience with a little infant child who will... Oh, man. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> more, more to come on that. More to come yeah, on that. Yeah, holy crap. Sure. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be one hell of an experience. Um, the reason it's been a minute is because I was in Colorado um, not last week, but the week prior. And last week is like catching up from being gone for a week. So Colorado, just have to shout out uh, Nick, uh, who gave us a ton of recommendations, and we were able to hit a couple of them. Uh, Prost Brewing in Denver was. A tremendous spot and I did I, I've been um very afraid and not afraid but like this is my hard line when it comes to seltzers and it's never to order one at a bar or restaurant or anywhere outside because to me there's no difference literally no difference between a seltzer there and a seltzer at home markup's insane but I've never been closer to ordering one than I was at Prost Brewing, which has their own seltzers on tap, and you could have ordered them in thir- in a liter quantity, which I have to say 
felt like an experience that I should have partaken in. Um, but I didn't. There's I'm surprised no you don't br- you don't break that rule for a craft seltzer. I feel like I, I understand it for yeah. I'm not going to order a bucket of white claws, but I feel like you can you know you can you can allow yourself that luxury. I can I um, like same way I, I like I understand if somebody drink all they do is drink high life at home they won't ha- order a cheap beer at a bar and only drink craft stuff but uh, I think the logic that I was going through at that time was Nick had recommended their they're just like all German beers and I think from a drinkability summer standpoint German beers unless they're kind of the lighter IPAs um, I just love like a good Kolsch. Um, good Pilsner. I can't remember what the other one was that I had. Um, but I just I love, love those lo- beers. Love a good Hefeweizen. Yes, yes, precisely. Um, and I was like, I have to order what what I was um, uh, given advice to order. And I thought that I was going to be able to potentially find the seltzers elsewhere. And I could not find them to take home and and. Or, take to the Airbnb and the condo or wherever and, and drink those. So that was a misfire on my part. Um, but also we were kind of driving around Denver, so I didn't want to drink in excess. Like obviously just have a couple, have dinner, rock and roll. Um, and the other thing that I totally missed out on that he did recommend was a brewery in Frisco outer range. And I was very sad about that, but when you go on vacation with a child, it's incredible. It's like a vacation, but it's also, I'm sure you see this with your sister and, and her husband with, with uh, your little niece, Ben. It's, it's hard to like have a true vacation with a child under, I don't know what the age is. It might be kind of like that five to six range where JP well, was able to really enjoy kind of that basketball camp with his son. Um, when you find out, it, tell me. I, I, <laughs> we're not there yet. That that is for sure. Um, that is one hundred percent for sure. That's great. I'm going to be in Colorado twice uh, in the next two or three months. One for another wedding, and then the bachelor party for that wedding. We're going out weddings in Boulder, and then we're doing a white water rafting thing for the bachelor party. Excited for that. Ooh. Are you a good time? Like a, a camp deal. I have no idea, but nah, the guy's just... brothers are setting it up. You know, we'll figure it out. It's like an hour at a place, like an hour or two outside of Denver. So it's not bad. Oh, that would um, be great. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you brought up the child. Yeah. And yeah, we, we just had uh, Father's Day. And I, um, this is actually somebody wanted to ask. This is semi-related. Uh, thing was going around on Twitter about your most dad thing you've done in the past year. And then I, was, I just had a run and I was listening to our sister podcast, the full cast, and they were basically reciting those tweets. And I wanted to, this is, I don't want to ask you the same question. I want to ask, I wanted to ask you something different. Two things happened to me when I was in Des Moines is, was there a time yet where you've just felt so uh, out of touch for your age? And, and like, I don't mean like sarcastically, I feel like pop culture references are too easy, but like you come across something and things are not the way they used to be. And you're like, oh wow, holy shit, this is nuts. Um, I think the one that is definitely like very different, and you just kind of have to level set with is maybe twofold. There's um the being able to take an infant to a brewery is not necessarily looked down upon, but taking an infant to a bar is looked down upon. Um, and that was, uh, something that I definitely experienced probably within the last couple. Wow. Of that's so true. Yeah. That is a great observation. I'm going to remember that for when I have the kids in 12 years. That'd be nice. So that, that's, that I think is, is the number one. And then, um, the second bit is like, we have a friend and she lives in an apartment and she has an apartment pool. And before apartment pool is like fair game you know, just kind of get after it. Right. Um, definitely different with an infant child. So I, I don't know if that was, those are answers to the questions you were looking for. I don't necessarily know if I feel out of touch there because round people our age, but definitely feel 
um, a little different. And everyone loves an infant, especially if they're well-behaved like Elliot normally is. But you, it's just when he's the only one in a spot, that is definitely where, where you're like, oh, out of place. Um, so that's probably it. For, to your point, like pop culture references, we're going to talk about this in a little bit. I've watched two things that have come out this year, and that might be an exaggeration. It might not be. But every every single one of those flies over my head. The I mean, yeah, pop. It's uh, ship has sailed on pop culture. I'm over that. That doesn't count. Uh, the observation about it being taboo to bring a child to a bar because, like, I totally agree with you. But then bring it to a brewery is totally fine. Every brewery I've been to in my entire life has babies at it. Dogs. It's a it's kind of a little bit of a wild west. They just let dogs in there all willy nilly, even if it's indoors. It's like a goddamn petting zoo sometimes. Um, my dad hates them because he hates dogs in public and like. He want he like sometimes it's called breweries to see if they have a no dogs policy, <laughs> um, which is fine. My home oh, sidebar. Uh, this is funny. Uh, remind me of oh this remind me of a very dad thing my dad did um, when we were in Arizona a while back. My sister wanted to bring her dog, and he, he he my dad asked the man who we were renting the property from, and he said yeah sure no problem. And he said I didn't want you to say that. Can you rewrite? <laughs> the lease, the contract to say no dogs allowed. <laughs> so he, he wanted facts to say why he can, Katie can bring her dog and my sister can bring her dog on vacation for Arizona, which is hilarious. Uh, great move by my dad. Um, Power I, move, brought, man. I brought up the question to you because I had my first moment in Des Moines okay. when at the hotel it's only like a you know 15 minute drive from the airport less than that but still i knew like uber's been a really big issue in chicago and i figured des moines i'm screwed and i've got a 6 30 flight on sunday morning so i don't want to deal with uh uber that early in the morning so on saturday i go to the front desk and like hey can you get me a cab to the airport like reserve a car for me for saturday or for sunday morning and they, they were like what they know what i was asking they were like, we can give you the number to a cab place. I was like, no, I, hotels, they get cars for their guests, do they not? And they're like, well, we have Uber in Des Moines. I was like, I know you have, I was like, no, you don't. Nowhere has Uber right now. I live in Chicago, we don't have Uber. This is why I'm asking you to get me a, a cab to the hotel. They're like, yeah, sure, we'll call uh, the cab company. And of course, the cab never showed up on oh, Sunday no. morning. Um, so luckily, my dad was also at this wedding because it was a, childhood friend and like my like me my dad's always up at six in the morning no matter what and he was sniffing around the lobby when i, I was down there <laughs> waiting for my cab to not come so got a ride from my dad to the airport on father's day <laughs> in des moines where neither of us live um so that, that was funny and then i had my second like i have i made the joke before on here where i'm turning into my dad if that story oh, didn't yeah. um second <laughs> I'm like, I'm crawling out of my skin because, so we're at the, we're at the reception of this wedding and I asked my dad if he can give me some change. Um, cause all I have is left is a 50 and like five fives and I want to tip the, tip the bartender. And he's like, yeah, sure. We both pull out our cash and we both keep our cash. Now we're just in wads of rubber bands. This is a new thing for both of us. We both arrived on during the pandemic, never talked about it. <laughs> and we both just pull out wads of cash <laughs> to make change with each other. And I'm just so fucked. Like everything <laughs> I'm just turning to, and I'm turning him quicker. If I'm, I'm 30, 40 years behind uh, ahead of him on the wad of cash link. It's unbelievable. We have both given up on wallets. It's just insane. That cracks me up. It cracks me up so much. Um, the water cash in the broccoli band, it reminds me of this very specific Shark Tank episode where this man tried to rebrand broccoli bands as an item. And he he had like this New Jersey accent. It's like, no one is going to need broccoli bands. They will just buy the broccoli and take the bands off of them or another rubber band. Uh, man, that's, that's incredible. Um, 
Elliot is not turning into me yet. I'm not sure I'm turning into my dad quite yet. Um, but maybe I am. I'll have to, I'll have to think about that, um, a little bit, but you're, you're definitely there because you arrived at a single point, two separate directions. I think that that's it. It's fucked is what it is. We can believe that out, but God, uh, I'm so I'm screwed. I'm screwed. Incredible. Um, so there, there's a weird amount of like Iowa stuff, but I just want to shoot the breeze still because you brought up Maravis Town a couple of weeks ago when we last talked, and oh, yeah. this is um, speaking of outdated pop culture references. Exactly. Like <laughs> we show ended a month ago. Off, now, now, now it's now it's out of date. Um, but that was one of the two things that my wife and I went through and this is hilarious because on the way to Denver, I drove the whole way, stopped 30 minutes in a 12 hour drive. I was so impressed with myself, but on the way back broke it into two because Elliot and Christina had flown and then we all drive back. So um, we get back early on Saturday and crank through six episodes of Mary Town. And I have to say that it was, genuinely lived up to the hype that I've kind of seen. Um, I've been a little off Twitter and by a little off Twitter, I mean like whenever I accidentally open it on my phone, I close it right away um, until football stuff really picks up. And I've seen enough of the mayor of East town hype to be super excited about it. And Kate Winslet, awesome um, storylines I thought were really pretty good. And I, 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 I was genuinely a little surprised by how it ended. Um, but I, I was just so happy to have finally watched a show from, from this year because we're, we're in this SVU cycle that I talk about all the time. And watching Maravie's Town was a blast from the past. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I don't think we should spoil it. Uh, it's just not that kind of podcast. Uh, nope. even though it is a month, but still, uh, I mean, it's funny you say that because whenever I tell some recommend the show to somebody, it's like, oh, it's just another HBO murder mystery. I was like, yeah, it is. Name one, name, name one bad HBO murder mystery. Like it's, but this one's just particularly well done. Like that's, that's it. Like it's worth your seven hours for certain. Yeah. Well acted. Um, characters are, cause I think sometimes with these, these, shows it's very easy for them to lean into just total totally hateable leads and there isn't that with uh mare she has plenty of reasons to be empathetic with her she's not um you know she she's not a truly like dirty lead in the way that you see a breaking bad with walt whitman going from one side to the other it's it, it, I wouldn't even call her an anti-hero of any type. Um, it's just a true, to your point, HBO murder mystery that um, keeps you guessing to 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 um, you know till kind of the very end. Unless you're into this stuff and you can just know it right away. But yeah, I even I, I listened to the, the Watch, you know, the Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan's podcast on TV, and they got kind of close to guessing the ending and i don't think they had like any insider information or anything or they didn't get kind of close actually never mind they they got really close to guessing a ble- <laughs> the storyline of the the un the unraveling of a b plot i guess more or less mm-hmm. i don't know makes sense um, but yeah interesting enough in itself and then the other thing i want to turn it over to you because uh last week you're like i only want to talk about this for our next podcast. Oh, We're not yeah. going to do this. Um, but I want to give you the floor on Bo Burnham's inside oh, because I was, I was able to finish this. that up earlier today and have a couple thoughts, but I know that you, you've you've been big into stand up and you didn't you didn't finish it in one sitting. Ben, this is what Okay, you've got a child. I get it. With the child. Like you I, I watched I watched forty minutes of it right before the intermission and Christina's like, well, we're we're doing something else now, and that's <laughs> just the way. So, it goes. so she didn't she didn't like it, or she just wanted to do something else. 
she wasn't watching it. So I was watching it. I was pretty well engrossed, but then Elliot woke up from a nap or something. And then, you know, just the whole day gets derailed. So I was unable to watch it in, in a full sitting. Has Christina seen any of it? She's, she's not a big Bo Burnham guy. And, And I guess the, the, the thing that I wanted to to add to it before getting to it is just I remember him being basically like the first YouTube guy that I had seen stuff of. So I like like I said, you, you I think you probably have more cultivated thoughts on this. So I want to to grant you the floor for for the thoughts that you have, and then I'll, I'll probably parachute in with a couple. Yeah, uh, I I just think it's probably the best thing I watched. I always talk about Palm Springs, uh, that too. It's mm-hmm. the, this and Palm Springs are the only two things I've ever consumed in my life where I watch it like one night and then I meet and then I watch it again the next night or within that same weekend. So like I watched um, Inside, I think on Thursday night or Friday night, and then I watched it again on either Saturday or Sunday night. And it was just, you know, it did, didn't miss. It was sketch after sketch and song after song of like really nice, thoughtful, um, I mean, hilarious, sad, harrowing, um, you know, really deep uh, comedic sketches, I guess. It's really, the humor is so dry and poignant on its face. It just kind of smacks you around. Um, And he makes a joke about it being so self-aware. That was funny. Uh, I mean, just how introspective it is, too. Um, You brought up. The like, I didn't realize Bo Burnham was the OG YouTube guy, even though we are, you know, comedically around the same age. Uh, if you've seen it, and it, I, like, I went back and watched some of his original sketches, and I mean, it's yeah, that's like how he started his career. And then he just put up, you know, probably his biggest career success, other than arguably like eighth grade. Um, but this definitely his greatest career success, like acting wise, performance wise. And um, it was just by kind of going back to his roots. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's kind of the the first main takeaway I had was like when I started watching, it's like this is exactly what I remember watching back in, you know, the, the late 2000s um, in terms of him just performing literally for himself. Like I'm not even sure if YouTube had comments at the, at the time that he exploded. I... I Sure, they probably did, but he didn't have any sense of immediate feedback like he did throughout, you know, um, his career as a stand-up artist or stand-up comedian. Um, so him going back to, to that point was very interesting. And he, he had that introspection, like you said, um, you know, with his humor from back in the day as a 16-year-old. And, and I think that that warns listening to the other, the other thing that was a little mind blowing. And I was, I thought about this right before this skit came on. I'm like, are we the same age? And then he, he got deeply introspective about his goal for, um, and I don't think this is necessarily spoiling it, but like, can you really spoil comedy? I guess is the, the broader question but deeply introspective about the goal he had of finishing it before his 30th birthday. And I'm like, we are literally the same age, two months apart. Um, And it was weird because I wasn't necessarily going through a lot of the thoughts he was as someone living and working truly alone um, during this time in the pandemic. Um, But it was something that, I don't know. It just hit me in, in a way um, that I didn't necessarily expect, even though once again, like Mayor of Easttown lived up to the hype inside. Once again, I, I heard it from a number of different people. You, uh, the Anthony Jeselnik podcast, everyone had glowing reviews on that. Um, and I, I don't just, again, kind of the parachuting Twitter stuff. Um, it was awesome. And it would have been to your point, like if I had the time, it would have been the thing I run through and then I probably would have restarted it right again. Um, because it, there's, there's so much that can be caught, um, in how it's constructed that, that to me was very unique. And to your point, I think you said harrowing. I think that's a pretty good word to use about it. 
Yeah, and the second time I got turned into my parents again, you watch used subtitles because you know. Yep. And caught caught so much, caught everything, you know, caught everything else uh, that I missed the first time around. Highly, you know, that's a uh, something I might recommend for a second viewing. Um, yeah, I don't really have any more to say about that. Alrighty, so that brings us to the sports portion. And before we get to the hmm. Iowa stuff, I think um, the oh no no no, we have to talk about the Waffle House guy. Oh God! We have to talk about this. Um, oh, what was his name? Because uh, it's worth crediting it. But this guy lost the bet. He's a reporter for the Clarion Ledger. Yeah, yeah. Um, some, some I, you know, I think it, the pin tweet is something about how he foia the shit out of the Mississippi Senate or something. But whatever. I digress. Anyways, he, he lost the Waffle House bet where you have to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House. And if you eat a waffle, it knocks an hour off your time. And this man was only able to eat nine waffles in 15 hours. And to me, it was a total failure. And I have a little bit of a conspiracy theory. But it's worth discussing for five minutes because I think a total failure, like I said. I mean, I'm eating 12 waffles in 12 hours easy. I don't know. I'm eating 12 waffles in eight hours, if we're being honest. That's, oh, I mean, you were just there and you said the waffles were small. Yeah. So I, I want to do a full breakdown of this man started, and I have his name, Lee Sanderlin. Uh, Lee O. Sanderlin is his Twitter handle. And he started at four in the afternoon. To me, that's mistake number one. That's a huge mistake to start that late in the day. To me, you have to start it in the morning and leverage your normal hunger that begins in the day. Um, So when I went to Waffle House for Father's Day, it was a tiny waffle that I got and I I ate it after my normal order of the two egg breakfast. I always get a two egg breakfast with a waffle and I want to get a sense of All right, what's the deal here? So he ordered two waffles to start. Another failure. Because even if you eat two, you still have to be there for 22 hours. It doesn't gain you anything by eating two waffles back to back immediately. Unless you're going to eat 23 waffles in an hour. It it, it makes no sense. Um, And then just an incredible amount of syrup. What's wrong with eating two waffles to start? Warm waffle. You should be eating a single warm waffle and pacing it as evenly as possible. To to your point, like I think maybe the upper bound of what I think I could do, because I think 12 and 12 hours is what you, is the absolute bar, right? That's weak. That's weak. That's mediocrity. But I think, I, I think going for 16 and eight, if you get a warm waffle every 30 minutes, then it's just, it feels like you can do that T- to his point. Like I, I understand like where he's at from a, uh, it just feels like concrete because even though they're light and fluffy, there is some density to them, especially if you overindulge on syrup. Um, but man, I, I still can't get over 12 and 12 hours. That's, that's a bar. And my conspiracy theory on this, Ben, is that he did it for the clout and he did it to save his newspaper because by by turning it into the thing that it was, um, it definitely got more uh, more notoriety for the struggles and trials and tribulations instead of if he had gone in there and done 16 and 8. I don't think it would have had the same narrative je ne sais quoi. I I couldn't you know I don't cool I hope he saved his newspaper I once retired newspaper man we need more of them but uh, uh, your strategy is so off I I couldn't have a larger problem with it so you think one waffle warm fresh waffle every thirty minutes is the way to go Yeah I think you I think I think I don't two think you can do it in waves 
I don't think there's any difference between doing one every 30 minutes and just doing two at the top of every hour in the first 10 minutes. That's, I think that's the way I do it. I like warm so then, waffles. Then you have, then you have 50 minutes. The waffles are warm for those 10 minutes. Eat quick. You, then you have 50 minutes to just kind of like lay down in the booth, massage your stomach, <laughs> and then you get two more. It's so easy. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I would want that. I, I guess it just depends on how, how you feel like your stomach can operate. I think my stomach would be better with some like steadiness throughout. Because I was thinking about this a little bit, just like just bite by bite by bite by bite by bite, very very evenly paced. Um, that giving yourself fifty minutes is a, a fair point. Um, if you trust that you can eat two in 10 minutes. And I do. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we need to figure Well, no, you don't have a waffle house in your area. Um, I'm not just going to do this. I need to figure out a, um, to be determined, to be determined. We'll, we'll see if, if there's any, how far are you from the nearest waffle house? Just out of curiosity. Ben, there are two within a five-mile radius of oh me. Oh, my God. And, and five might be exaggerating how far away they are. Was it busy on Father's Day? There were no less than three other fathers of infants at the Waffle House. It was exactly what I wanted. It, it wasn't super busy, but it, it was Perfect. definitely like getting... We beat the jerks crowd. Um, that mm-hmm. was... Uh, that can be dangerous if you get in there at like right. 10 o'clock. We got in there before nine. It was, it oh, was okay. uh, appropriately, yeah. appropriately busy. Ideal. So, Perfect. all right. Alrighty. The, the sports stuff. I'm glad I went back to my notes because we, we definitely needed to d- discuss the Waffle House thing. Um, let us know how you <laughs> That attack. was sports stuff. It, what, you're right. It <laughs> was a sport. It, it absolutely was a sport. Um, one of the big news items that came... Uh, that broke while uh, we had not podcasted was the very likely expansion to 12 teams for the college football playoff. And to me feels like an absolute no brainer. Um, And I I guess there's probably two things we can talk about. One, um, the decision from a macro standpoint, and then the super micro Iowa standpoint, did you, have any particular takes you wanted to address first in terms of macro or micro? In terms of only affecting Iowa or, or so that would be micro, micro. I, I don't No, I mean, if you have something lined up, let's go with it. Everything I have written down or thoughts on it. I just, I'm surprised you think it's a no brainer, I guess. Cause I, I don't really think it is. Or maybe, I mean, maybe you think it's a no brainer for one reason. Well, I guess I think it's a no-brainer because I think you have to expand. I think you have to give some level of advantage in terms of tiering the teams inside of it. Because if you were to just expand it to eight, which does feel like the safe option in terms of, hey, we have six bulls, semis, and um, the semis and the play, semis and quarters, idiot. Um, those become the six bowls, boom, shakalaka, everything's at a neutral site. To me, I think you there's it's appropriate to tier between the top four, they get a buy through, the next four, they host the games, and then the final four, they're just they're to the dance. And I think there there are a lot of teams in this country that would be happy to be a part of the dance. Um, that I think it it is the right number from, from my perspective. So I guess I feel like it's still, I mean, well, there's still always going to be controversy no matter what happens. Um, I guess, you know, some of the things I'm waiting to see what's going to happen with like the bowls and everything like that. I'm waiting to see, um, you know, I think the thing that sticks out with me, most is when I know Kirk was interviewed about this and 
he his biggest one of his biggest problems was you know what happens if a team loses in the first round and they don't go to a bowl game. I mean, he said that sucks, and I agree that does suck. You just end your season like that. Kind of seems like it, that's a plausible way for Iowa for <laughs> that something that could happen to Iowa. My favorite yeah. thing about it is that the first what the first eight games, the first six games are played on campus. That's great. It, the first four, the first for, four, uh, oh, okay. five versus twelve. All right, that's slightly that's great, but still, I'm a big fan of that. I would like more. I've always wanted the college football playoff to be on campus and not on a Monday night, on a Saturday night. God, that is such a fucking dud. I always, I don't understand why the college football championship is on a Monday night. Always, that sucks so much. I don't get it either. Yeah, you know why, Ben? Because it it cuts into my bachelor time. I have to decide. Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding, and we don't need to discuss any further. Yeah, um, I know. We know. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I think the the way maybe to mitigate Kirk's concern, because I I get it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think it's, it's fair because you, you've already determined you're a part of the 12 best teams, right? What I think the college football playoff should do, if that's the case, and, and it seems easy, is – you brand it as the college football semifinals and the college football finals. So you have those three games are some other sponsorship. And then what you have with the four bowl games, which are the quarterfinals, you have those as um, the bowls. And I think maybe the thing you do is the four losers of um, the play-in games then go to a bowl that are the other two um, New Year's Six Bowl as they as they exist now. Um, so then you would still have those 12 teams end up, you're guaranteed two extra games. Um, that would be maybe a way to compromise there because um, more money, <laughs> to be frank. Where is that money going to go now that NCAA um, – is going to be getting a big pay cut too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great point too. Um, I, I, I don't have any thoughts right now on the national, the NIL stuff. I'm, yeah. Neither do I. I'm so lost with it that I, uh, not even worth discussing, but so we have the expansion to 12 and I think, I, I don't really know if there's anything else to talk about it from a macro standpoint, other than to, to look at it from the Iowa standpoint, which I think Kirk nailed right away, right? Which is he's concerned about getting into the playoff as that 10, 11, 12 seed and losing the first game. And that being how his team season would end is to me, there's more to unpack as it comes to, to Iowa football with regards to the playoff. Um, so I guess what, what are your thoughts first? Well, what, what do you mean? Uh, well, I, I think it, it amps up the pressure on Kirk in my oh, opinion. No, cause he could be gone by the time there's a playoff. They're saying what? 2023. Sure. That's ambitious. So what? Only one more season, two more seasons of right of the four team. So, I mean, maybe cause what, when they, they announced the playoff and there was like five or six years, I feel like between the announcement and the first play, I could be misremembering that. Um, that being said, the pandemic taught us all that you can schedule at the drop of a hat, which the incident boy had been lying about for its entire, <laughs> for its existence. So, um, now all of a sudden they can pull up a calendar and figure things out. Uh, in terms of, you know, Kirk, it does absolutely, I don't think it does anything. Cause like I said, he, I think he'll be gone. Um, by the time this is implemented or, you know, have, you know, be around for two, maybe top three years of it tops and then he's gone. And then. We'll see what happens with the Sun or somebody else. Um, with Iowa, I, I mean, I remember so the years that Iowa would have made it in recent memory would have been 2015 and 2009. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like those are the the obvious ones. Um, but outside I, I looking think, in, even 2019. Maybe. See that that to me is like the that that if Iowa season had played out like it did and they didn't make the playoff there 
there are a couple things. I don't I don't know unless you flip a win against Michigan at Michigan or at Wisconsin into um, Iowa's column. Uh, that would have been like, oh well, Iowa lost these two games by nine points, plus the Penn State game. They lost that game by four points, right? And you know that had them on the outside looking in from that perspective. But also, you look at kind of the way the 2019 season ended, and it ended regular season wise a little bit with a whimper. And this isn't to downplay, you know, the the excitement of that Nebraska win because it was exciting but they didn't put teams away like if they had racked up style points to potentially be that 12th team um to me it just shifts the value statement of Iowa football from kind of the rivalry trophies maybe they'll get into the Big Ten championship game to a path that exists outside of even winning the West to getting to a 12-team conference Championship, And that's where I think Kirk is right now just incorrect in his assessment is his thought process in that one-on-one was, well, first we got to win the division and then we'll play in the conference championship and then we see what happens. And it's like, that's not what exists now. It's, it's style points. It's, and that's just not how Iowa plays football under Kirk, Um, which I don't know if he will still try to manage in kind of the old and current um, uh, ecosystem or if he will adjust. I, I don't see him necessarily adjusting. I definitely don't see him adjusting at all. Again, especially because like I said, I don't think he's going to have this problem of dealing with a 12 team playoff. I mean, eventually we're going to have to deal with, deal with that and we'll talk about it when it comes up, but I really don't believe Kirk France will be the coach. Um, when, when this comes through, because I, I, 2023, I don't see that happening. I just don't. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, I guess before everything transpired before last year, I think, I guess, if I'm trying to remember the take I had very specifically, and I don't even know if we discussed it on the podcast. Furthermore, it could be the type of th- Well, no. I'd say it might be the type of thing that drive in retirement earlier, but no. But, like, at the end of the 2019 season, I kind of thought it was more likely that Kirk would, if I had to pick between 2030 and 2020 being Kirk's last season, I would have picked 2030 just because it felt like everything was just rolling exactly how he wanted it. And it's not like it's on autopilot. I don't mean to to speak about it like it's that easy. But it, it felt like he had things very sustainable for the next decade. Um this year is very important in terms of can he do it um, for another? Uh, I think he's coaching while the playoff exists, if it's 2023. But if if it just kind of shifts the value statement with how he wants to operate his program, then maybe it is a type of thing that, that pushes him towards retirement a little earlier. Um, but I still think if I had to choose between next year being his last year or um, 2030 being his last year. I think I would lean 2030. We could argue Iowa already has started, you know, operating its program in a way uh, that manifests that 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 that, that can contours and conforms itself to the way you're talking about for this playoff. I mean, look no further than the implementation implementation of the Wildcat. So. I, <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I think the, this team, you know, it. It took a step in some directions uh, last last summer, and I think you know overall for the good for the good of the team, and I think the on field results and product um, will will be the proof in the pudding. Fair enough. And the other reason I think he'll be around for a little while is they're talking about Phil Parker as the first million dollar man. Um, million dollar coach. coordinator. I yeah. I no, saw that. I haven't seen that. Yeah, that was something Lysticow had from a Freedom of Information Act dealio. Um, I think the way it actually works is that it was, I, I'm going from memory, so I apologize, but his he's due $200,000 or whatever during the 2022 season, 
which is the season that he'll be making uh, as a bonus. And then at it's on top of his 800 something thousand dollar um, salary. So there's that still way underpaid. No one carries no assistant coach in college football carries a program in the same way that Phil Parker carries Iowa football. So when you say you can't, he, he wouldn't be the first million dollar assistant coach in the country though, just at Iowa, right? Just at Iowa. Yeah. Okay. Just okay. at Iowa. I mean, yeah, um, good for him. I remember when he was getting paid six fifty, and you know, that was crazy. That's just a few short years ago too. That, like I said, no one is underpaid. Like Phil Parker is underpaid, but good, good, good for him. Once again, I digress. Anything to keep him um, in Iowa and, you know, maybe having him take the reins on this program. We'll see. I'm not sure he, he wants to be a head coach, but. I, and he, how he, old is he now, too? He's he's like weirdly young because he, I mean, I guess he played for Nolan Parker, which is like, yeah. Uh, so he's not that much yeah. younger than Kirk. No. Hopefully he sticks around. Like Wikipedia, I mean, I think, Wikipedia says the salary is five ninety five. Oh. Three three headlines right here. One million dollar assistant coach. Never mind. Um, I think we were going to talk a little bit more about the Kirk Ferentz one on one, but it was really more of a macro discussion. Um, now that I kind of go through this, I do have to say, like, I was a little surprised it didn't really address how Iowa has um, grown since. Uh, they fired think, Doyle. I think that's going to be another story. I got the sense that uh, Scott gathered <clears throat> quotes for several different stories in that sit down. Okay, that's how that's what I figured. Because um, the story today, I think, was about recruiting, and you could tell that some of those quotes from Kirk were okay. in the same in the same conversation. So I bet we get that story soon. That's fair enough. Like that, I guess that's the reason uh, these reporters construct their stories the way they do instead of like the straight question and answer stuff that I can never get enough of, but those are gone, I think. Right. Because if you can construct multiple stories, then, then it's a a better situation. Um, I guess the other one that the other thing he had, as I looked through it um, was uh, maybe it wasn't anything interesting. Yeah, so I guess to be determined on if there's there's more discussion on on that growth. Um, the other one, uh, Fran McCaffrey met with uh, Chad Lysakow in his own one-on-one, and I think that brings up some fun stuff with Iowa basketball. The first one that that's uh, funny to me was you've been waiting this- fifty-two whole minutes to bring up Iowa basketball. I know, I've, and, and, and yes, yes, I have. Um, the one thing that sticks out was uh, kind of how he has changed um, in light of the C.J. Frederick stuff. Um, from from Lights to Cow, he wrote, uh, McCaffrey considers himself a stickler for following NCAA rules. He made headlines in 2017 when he said, regarding FBI's investigation into college basketball cheating, I've turned programs in and I'll continue to do that when I know that there's something going on. Um, I, I got the sense that Lysakow asked him pretty directly about uh, Frederick and McCaffrey then said, um, I'm not interested in talking about anyone who is not at Iowa. Um, and that Good answer. he also is not sure um, there's a point to turning anyone in. Uh, that's a parenthetical that Lysakow had. I don't feel confident that the process works and that anything will happen. So um, to your point, a good quote from Kirk or Kirk Fran. Good answer. I mean, that's, I mean, a really good way to approach it, but of course I'm sure he was, you know, fucking fuming at the time. Uh, love, love, love saying, love hearing the big Irish boy from Philadelphia is an arc. Need, need more of that. Um, <laughs> totally. Oh yeah. Totally not typecast. Um, it, it really is it. It really is it. And like, um, it just it just cracks me up how, like, 
at, at the risk of uh, just talking about too much, right? I think this is a good, like, Fran is such a stickler for these rules um, that you would get the sense that he would run just a much more, and I, I don't know the, the right framing of it, but that he would be cut from the Greg Gard cloth, I guess is maybe maybe the right way to say it. But when you read what Lysakow got from, from him, it, he's just so over the moon about everybody on his roster. He's so optimistic. He's such a player's coach that um, it's really just, it, it's just a funny balance within Fran McCaffrey that he can be such a stickler for these kind of rules, but also have his guys that, that I like, like you said, I, I waited 52 minutes to, to bring up Iowa basketball. I'm just, I'm just excited for 2021, 22 Iowa basketball. It'll be, it'll be fun. I think, I hope. I think, I mean, yeah, you you look at what happened with Greg Gard today, and the first thing I thought of was, you know, would this happen under Fran? And, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, who, Devin Marble, you know, that that was sort of a begrudging situation, but I'm trying to think of any, of any other player. You know, I'm not totally sure what the um, deal was with Christian Williams, but I can't think of any other player in the Fran era that, you know, left with any sort of beef or anything like that. And if anything, this, this team has always been about player empowerment um, ever since he walked onto campus and, um, you know, seeing things go going the way they are, do or were are Wisconsin. Um, kind of, you know, makes us really glad we're in our situation, right? Beat him three times last year. People forget that. People forget that that that's that's something that we're gonna probably bring up for for months and months, if not even longer. Um, but yeah, I mean the the stuff with Wisconsin it highlights one. I, I I do empathize with the idea that these are conversations that happen every everywhere, not not all the time, but every every team has conversations like this i think guard actually from from what i've gathered deserves a lot of credit for just letting his players vent that feels like his job as a head coach to just be that that guy who who takes criticism in that way now it sounds like he didn't necessarily change uh, it looks and, and sounds like jeff poithros i think he he's kind of intimating that it was Alondo Tucker, the assistant coach who left Wisconsin, who was the, the guy who leaked it. And that's the type of thing that definitely, in my analysis of this, traps because I think players ultimately just want to be heard in these situations. And it was so close to the end of the season that it wasn't like, you know, it happened and they moved on. That's kind of the, the sense I got and the fact that it came back up. Um yeah, it doesn't seem like the type of thing that would happen with with Fran because he's got such great relationships typically with everyone. And the only the only player who left Iowa who did not receive high praise was Frederick. Like I think it was John Miller who went back and looked at almost every single press release. Fran highly complimented oh, yeah. of mm-hmm. every single um player who transferred away from Iowa. Um that you know, it's just a that's just not his style. Even comparing Nungies to Fredericks, same same season, night and day. Love it, love it. The passive aggressiveness. It's totally going back. It's totally Alondo Tucker who like that hilarious. Um, and I can't remember if this, these are comments of the story or on Twitter, or it's like, what kind of situation has to happen to make you feel sympathetic towards Brad Davison? And like that's how bad it was. It was wild. I mean, I think the the the, the thing that was kind of funny in reading um, was it the Wisconsin State Journal uh, who who broke that story. Um, Something like that. The the way each kind of um, quote was on the record on background, just pulling from the the straight up. Um, uh, t- audio 
it was very clear that the guys that they got quotes from kind of after this had broke, it seemed like they were almost all Brad Davison. <laughs> Without question, talking about narcs. Oh, man, that kid. Uh, I can't believe we brought up Brad Davison before we brought up Don't. Jordan Bohannon. Oh. All right, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 this, this is going to be a bit. It's going to be a bit. Um, maybe the the final thing to discuss, Ben, is mm. Joe Wieskamp's um, oh, combine yeah. numbers. Uh, Lottery's going on right now, right? Uh, I think it already happened. Um, I think it, Detroit got the first pick. Detroit, Houston, Cleveland, and then... T- Tyler Cooks, Detroit. Tyler Cooks, Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Um, the Camp stuff, I have consistently been high on his pro prospects, but even I have to admit that what I saw from his combine numbers, the 42-inch vertical jump, um, he measured basically exactly as he is at Iowa. He measured 6-7 in shoes, um, six, five, something without shoes, but you play basketball shoes. So it's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the six eleven wingspan and, uh, I, I was just surprised. I, I think he's actually, this moves him very high in the second round from my very optimistic take. I, I think he, he's well positioned himself very well. Um, going into the NBA draft. And there's there's just simply no way he returns. What did you say his height was again? 6'7 uh, in shoes. Okay. 6'5. Um, and he was 4% body fat. I remember oh. when Peter Jock oh, showed up. to the skinny guy. Yeah. But I remember when Peter Jock showed up and he was like at 12 or 13% body fat. So I'm, I'm still just horrified from, from that. Uh, so Joe Wieskamp put in work um, in Vegas, in uh, your adopted town of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I mean, exciting. Yeah, there's a stuff where he's not currently not on the roster on the Iowa website. His, he still has a locker, apparently, but it's empty. It's the only one that's empty in the locker room at Iowa. Um, yeah, okay. I get, I've been holding out this whole time, but, I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, isn't the type of situation, though, too, where if he doesn't get drafted, he can come back, right? Isn't that a new thing? Or is that not a new thing? I don't think that's the case yet. Um, okay. I think the the way it works is he has like three weeks um, to make his decision to return. And then the end of the year or the end of the month is when the draft is. So it's not like that's flipped at all. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just super excited for him because I, I, I think we never – saw the full potential of Wieskamp from like a, a sustained standpoint consistently like putting up 25 point games, but that's what Luca Garza was for the last couple of years. And that's not Joe Wieskamp's fault in my opinion to, to not score 25 points when you have someone else who's averaging 24 points a game. He did his job about as well as he could do his job. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> good for him. Happy. Sorry, I'll never watch you again. Um, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I've watched some NBA playoffs this year. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just sad. You know, it really lowers the ceiling. We know we feel like on this next year's Iowa team, but you're so optimistic. I mean, who's 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 playing? Who's who's taking the wing from him? So I mean, that's the that's a concern because to me Iowa has been best under Fran when they've been at a tight for Fran like nine players and I think they have enough bodies to construct a team that can get to the the NCAA tournament to me Patrick McCaffrey at small forward seems like the the no-brainer um but it's going to come down to shooting like if Peyton Sanford is the real deal as a shooter. Sounds like he's six eight as well. I mean, like like Pat, um, he'll get plenty of run. Uh, Tony Perkins, if he has a shot, to me, there's 
no athletic X factor like Tony Perkins. Um, so I, I'm very curious to see how how his role changes, whether he's a, a true shooting guard kind of backing up Bohannon or if he is floating um, between the two and three. Uh, and then Chris Murray is probably the other guy. To me, it's it's Pat, number one, and then the best shooter between um, Sanford and Murray. And if Perkins is just lighting the world on fire athletically, he, he's he seems like the type of guy that's just going to be tough to keep off the court if if he plays like we saw him play in very limited minutes last year. If he can play like that 20 minutes a game, I, I'm not sure Iowa has many guys like that on the roster. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess that's it, Ben. So you have, we, you, have high, you have high expectations for Sanford then? Um. I think P- I think like PMAC there is a no-brainer. Yeah, I think PMAC there is a no-brainer. I'm exci- I really, you know, I was really high on him last year. If he could, you know, take a big step this offseason, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing with Patrick is going to be if I, I think he he has an incredibly high IQ, but I don't know if he taps into it with quite the same um consistency that his brother does and if and if he can really lean into that um be kind of a point forward because I think he has those skills um be a rim runner like I I I was probably gonna go how Patrick and Keegan take him um so we'll see we'll see I but I'm optimistic I'm not as optimistic as Joe Lenardi though that man has Iowa as an eight seed and that is too high (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That'd be great. Good for us. Highly recommend that happen. Oh man, it would be. It would be indeed. So Ben, been a little over an hour, touched on a lot of stuff. Any anything that that we missed that that you'd like to hit on? Um, nope. We got a backup Wildcat quarterback in Tyron Tracy. I saw you know he he had a story today can play all four wide receiver positions. He, you know, he's our own Bubby Miles. Let's, uh, let's see that happen. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, so I think that's it, Ben. I think that's it. Cool. All righty. Uh, oh, I did want to talk about the Bachelorette 